Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But it's the parent's role to be the person of integrity, to set the boundaries and the guidelines for the relationship. And he sold her out time and time again. I feel really sorry for her. I mean, Prince Charles called her, I think, tungsten. Harry's put a beautiful message on Instagram saying that they're heading off, that he can't wait to introduce his wife and child to the place he calls his second home. She's a cutie. She's got lots of spirit. She's, you know, she's the one that sticks her tongue out and waves and she is cheeky. Like, she's a bit like Harry was. Hi there and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind palace doors. I'm Smitter Mystery and today we'll be talking about how Thomas Markle claims Meghan is ghosting him, Meghan and Harry's Africa trip and the trick the Queen played on American tourists. Joining us today to share her amazing knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi, Ange. Hi, Smitta. How are you? Good, thank you. So um, Thomas Markle has let rip at Meghan and Harry and it's pretty hard hitting. What can you tell us? Yeah, this is the, um, I think this is the worst one that he's come out with. This is sort of like rant DEFCON 5. This is, he's absolutely gone for it this time. He says that he's waited um, until Meghan, you know, he didn't didn't say anything when Meghan was pre- pregnant and then the um, days following Archie's birth. But he's had a microphone stuck in front of him again, this time by the uh, Mail on Sunday in the UK. And he has covered everything. I mean, look, it's a comprehensive interview. It's uh, the journalist has done well. Caroline Graham um, has done well to get this, you know, this level of detail out of him. But it's so much vitriol. I mean, I sort of share a bit with you. And the worst thing for me is the the one that I find um, most worrisome is when he says that Meghan and Harry have ghosted him. You know, it's a very contemporary phrase. I'm not sure it's the sort of phrase he would know. I'm wondering where he's got that phrase from. Anyway, he's had a massive rant and he said, everyone raves about how gracious and wonderful they are, but they're not wonderful to their own family. That's hypocritical. You can't portray yourself as being charitable and bringing people together and then ghost your own father and your entire family. Their treatment of me has left a lot to be desired. I've never, still never met my son-in-law. Why couldn't Prince Harry have got on a plane and flown to see me to ask for her hand? He obviously has no problem getting on private jets. Now he goes on, you know, he calls them hypocritical. He says all he wants is a relationship with baby Archie and that he would really love to, um, uh, you know, renew his relationship with Meghan. I mean, this is psychology 101. Yeah. This is not the way to go about it. If you want to restore a relationship with your child – you very quietly write them a letter that, you know, that, that outlines where you've gone wrong, where there's some level of soul searching on your own part. I mean, he let her down at the aisle when she badly needed him. You know, if he had come out and said, if he was genuinely sick and he had had that heart attack and he'd come out and said, I so want to be there, sweetheart, but I'm, I just can't. And, 
you know, and he'd been remained dignified. He's all over the place. He's, I think he's uh, provoked by Samantha Markle. I think Megan's doing the right thing. How can she trust him? She wrote him that beautiful five-page letter where she talked to him about how she felt. She declared, you know, this was last year, and he leaked that to the press. Where's the trust in that? How yeah. can a man that would sell out his daughter like that expect that trust? And I'm a great believer that the parent always has to be the parent. I know as, as parents get elderly, children tend to take more of a caring role. I know that is the case, but it's the parent's role to be the person of integrity, to set the boundaries and the guidelines for the relationship. And he sold her out time and time again. I feel really sorry for her. I mean, Prince Charles called her, I think, tungsten around the time of the wedding, this, you know, this really strong metal. She must be enormously strong to have to deal with that, to have this sort of dirty laundry hung out in public constantly. You know, if this man really wants a relationship with his grandson, then he needs to be worthy of it. And he's not showing himself to be. It would be hard to trust very after everything you're absolutely right how does she you know what how do you take a step do they ring him and then fear that that conversation is is misreported does she actually quietly hop on a plane and go and see him and then you know and and that meeting may be reported I think he needs to if there's any hope for this relationship he needs to earn her trust because he also disputes that um, she paid her own university fees. What's he saying around this? That's right. Look, it, when she was in Fiji last year, she talked about she was talking about education for girls, and she was, in, you know, sort of speaking in a very inspiring way about how we need to that education is the basis for um, for sort of women's empowerment. That if you're educated, you ha- you can gain that power. And she talked about the fact that she got sponsorships and. Um, uh, scholarships and things and work to put herself through university. Thomas Markle disputes this and says that he actually paid all the bills himself um, and that he has receipts to prove it. He, he might well have paid her university fees, but we all know that going to university, there's college fees, That's right. there's extramural, um, that, you know, various things, textbooks, that sort of thing. He says that he uh, paid for her to go on uh, an internship and some field trips overseas, Spain among them. He may well have done, but that doesn't mean that she didn't also gain sponsorships. So I think they're probably both right here that they, you know, she did have to work her way to get to pay herself through university. I don't doubt that he's paid it too. But is it necessary? It's I, I, I feel with Thomas Markle that there's this constant you know, relevance deprivation syndrome where he's just out of the spotlight for a bit and then wants to insert himself again. And I, it's just not working from him, for him. You know, I don't know. I feel like I want to give him a dignity coach or something, you know, like he, he that he has someone that is a really trusted advisor. It's almost like and, – and look, I don't think um, the palace got off on the right foot with him. I think that um, you know, if you're going to be, if you're the royal family, it's a bit like being in a security services. You kind of need to lock down everyone around them and work out who they are. You know, it's like vetting that goes on. You know, <laughs> Megan's family needed to be fully vetted <laughs> and look for the pressure points where things might go wrong and take care of those. I mean, this is human resources management, realistically. And Thomas Markle needed someone alongside him. He needed someone, a royal staffer who was going to be there for the long haul to actually fly out, sit down with him, say, look, this is, you know, I'm here on their behalf. This is the sort of thing that's going to happen to you. You will be approached by people. There was no forward planning that that we know of. Look, this might have happened. Certainly the palace haven't said that it has, and there's been no indication from Thomas Markle that it has. So I don't just 
see that this is Thomas's issue. I think that it's been poorly managed by the palace. Who knows? It might not have worked, but they didn't, it seems to me, even try. You know, if you, it's about feeling important and honoured. And Harry didn't go and see his future father-in-law before they wed. You know, there may have been reasons for that, but there should have been some attempts to align him, to get him on board, to make him feel part of it, to make him feel that there was a means to, for, to, for greater understanding in an ongoing relationship. And I think that was foolhardy of Meghan and Harry not to attend to that. We've seen time and time again really poor PR and damage limitation on their behalf, on their parts. I think they are full of energy, purpose, enthusiasm. I think they do a fantastic job. What I don't think they have is tremendous diplomacy and tact skills. And I think that's the thing you can hire. You can, you know, if you've got a good heart and you can go to Africa and you can um, bring attention to things and you can care about environmentalism and you can talk about mental health with passion, that is absolutely fantastic. But what you need alongside that is almost like the careful staring and administration that is also part of any role of that magnitude. And I think that's what they lack. Um, You know, she's a go-getter. He's a bit of a wild child. I don't think there's that care and attention to how things may look and be seen, as we've seen with the the stuff with the private jets. There's not good management. They now have some new people in place. Um, uh, I, the woman that um, was a diplomat to Angola, um, her name's just escaped me, but she is joining shortly, and I think she she's their private secretary. That's a pivotal role, and I think that they've chosen well. She is, you know, her job is diplomacy. She doesn't have uh, a royal background. In some ways, you know, trying to understand the royal family, I think, is is important for that job. But perhaps bringing corporate and public service uh, style management into the into the Sussex household may be a good thing. Might maybe help with bringing Thomas Markle as well, you know, to them and helping with that relationship. Yeah, look, if it was if if it was me, and you know, I'm not I'm not a professional in damage limitation and human resources, but I would be sitting down and going, okay, what's the what do we want? What's the end game with this? Is this done and dusted? Is this the end of it? And will really will it just go away when Thomas Markle eventually passes, or is this something that we can constructively work on? And I, I look. I'd like to think those conversations are taking place. Um, you know, I'm a great believer in forgiveness and I'm a great believer in families rejoining. I don't think it serves anyone well in families to have these um, sort of long-standing um, conflicts, but it requires management. I guess that's the golden question. Do you think that their relationship can ever be repaired? I'm an optimist and I hope it can. I hope it can for Megan's sake. I hope it can for Harry's sake. Harry has one parent. Meghan effectively has two parents. You know, Dory is a great person and I think that that's really important that she has that person. But the more people, the more solid, trustworthy people you have around you, the better it's going to be in that role. We know Meghan is strong. Harry, I'm not so sure that he is as strong, but they need, they need, allegiances. They need people that are close to them and, and genuinely care about them. Kate and William, I suspect, take great guidance from the Middleton family, from um, Carol and Michael Middleton. I think they are ballast to them. You know, the, they are they understand the royal family, but they are, they are, you know, just an ordinary couple. And I think that the sort of backbone that they provide to the Cambridges is um, 
invaluable. But I, I and I don't think that the um, Sussexes quite have that. They can either pay for that, you know, they can have it with their staff, or they can have it with each other, obviously. But all all couples, particularly one in that kind of position of power, need support, wise, wise support. And um, so I hope I hope that they get that. All it could do is help, really. So yeah, hopefully, exactly. So we've touched on their upcoming trip, Harry and Meghan's trip. What have they said about it so far? So they're really excited about it. They're off to Africa. Harry's put a beautiful message on Instagram saying that they're heading off, um, that he can't wait to uh, introduce his wife and child to the place he calls his second home. We know he's. they're both going to South Africa. Then he's going on to Malawi, Botswana and Angola. And, of course, Angola is where Diana, Princess Diana famously um spoke out on landmines and those iconic pictures of her with the um, with the um, the, ma- the head mask and things. So I think uh, he also has his own charity in Africa, Centre Bali. Uh, Harry's got multiple interests there and it's a place close to his heart. Also, if you remember, when Megan and he got together, they went to Botswana for their very first kind of secret date. So they'd met and then they went and sort of camped out under the stars. So it's a place of great um, significance to them. I don't think they'll be taking Archie and sleeping out under the stars. But um, uh, but look, I think they will enjoy this time away. We know that the time that they spent down here and in New Zealand and the Pacific was an absolute unmitigated success. It was an absolutely brilliant tour. They were seen in multiple different roles with multiple interests. And I think this will happen possibly to a lesser extent um, on the African trip because, of course, Megan has Archie. But I think that this is where they come into their own. This is where they actually get to be what they are, which is royals with a message and a mission. And and I'm I'm looking forward to this trip. I don't think they'll have quite the – we'll see quite the access of – people close to them. I mean, South Africa obviously has far higher security and a risk than um, the Pacific does. But um, I think it'll be interesting to see whether they bring that same magic to Africa as they did down here. I really hope so. And the couple have quoted um, Nelson Mandela on their Instagram. What's the message there? So they've put up this uh, quotes. We know that they've been uh, posting quotes for the last few weeks. And this one is from Nelson Mandela, who was in fact a great mate of um, Princess Diana. They had a lot of time for each other. And this quote says, it is so easy to break down and destroy. The heroes are those who make peace and build. Interesting quote in light of Thomas Markle. And um, look, you know, there is some irony there that, that, you know, making peace and building. I don't know if that means anything. I'm not sure if it's a message to Thomas Markle. Perhaps it's just, it's a nice Nelson Mandela quote. They're about to go to Africa and they want to um, honour that great man of the country. Who knows? You know, you can't know with them. It's it's very enigmatic. And look, while I'm not a great one for these um, inspo quotes, I do kind of see the point. They have a huge reach, uh, Meghan and Harry, and their message fairly unilaterally, unilaterally is to give back. And I think that's an important – I don't think that's a bad thing. I think Encouraging people to give back and to consider others is is uh, them using their their celebrity in a wise way. Moving on from Africa, the couple will visit Balmoral this week. What are their plans? 
probably to put on 13 jumpers and try not <laughs> to get wet. I mean, the thing about Balmoral, I don't know if you've been to Scotland, but it's it's usually bloody cold and um, and oh. quite rainy. But um, anyway, no, they shall be having barbecues and grouse shooting, except this year they won't be grouse shooting because there's no grouse for some reason. Grouse are birds and I, I can't tell you any more about them apart from the fact that this year there's not many of them around <laughs> because some weather conditions or water conditions. Um, the great feature of Balmoral, and yes, Harry and Meghan are heading up there with Archie apparently, is that um, Prince Philip has a barbecue on the River D each year. Now, everyone thinks that, you know, I, you sort of say barbecue and you think, oh, you know, they're lugging their hampers out to the edge of the river. I'm sure it's all set up by their minions and they just turn up and the Duke, you know, t- twizzles a few sausages on the barbie and <laughs> everyone has one and thinks how miserable it is and how cold are we and but isn't this a lovely tradition? And then they head back to the to the lovely palace uh, castle that and and sort of snuggle down and read the newspapers and watch Netflix. I'm sure that's what they do. <laughs> I can't imagine they do anything that wonderful. But uh, but the Queen loves Balmoral. Diana loathed it, absolutely loathed the place. It's 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 interesting. I, it's good that they're going up there. Kate and William uh, obviously went earlier. It would just be interesting to see how Harry and Meghan travel to Balmoral. I'm I'm betting a train trip myself because I think that um I think they can't quite get the budget airline because then they're going to get the copycat thing. They can't obviously get a private jet because they'll be lambasted for it. So I'm 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 bet my bets are on a train trip up to Aberdeen, which is what the Queen often does. She gets the train up there. But anyway, we should wait and see. It's a comfy train. I've, yeah, I've I believe. Oh, yes, <laughs> you've been up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long journey though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but but look, I, I like I like train travel. I'm sure that you know, as long as Archie, you know, the, <laughs> I was about to say they'll plug him into an iPad, but he's a bit young for that, isn't he? <laughs> anyway, as for other royals, Princess Charlotte um, starts school this week. What can she look forward to? She has a huge full routine. So this isn't just go and learn a bit of maths and English at um, Thomas's in Battersea, which is where George goes. They do everything. They do computing, drama, ballet. Um, she's going to be learning French from the get-go. You know, at only four, she's going to be learning French. I think it'll be really sweet. I think we'll get some great pictures because uh, obviously Kate usually posts pictures when uh, when the children start school. But also William, Kate and George will be accompanying Charlotte on her first day. So it'll be really cute to see her. If you remember when she started nursery school, she had those gorgeous pictures of her on the on the steps with a little red coat. Apparently that red coat sold out. I mean, Charlotte is the, um, you know, the greatest style uh, icon of, of children. But, um, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think she's a she's a cutie. She's got lots of spirit. She's, you know, she's the one that sticks her tongue out and waves. Cheeky. And she is cheeky. Like, she's a bit like Harry was when he was, you know, Harry was the second child, just like, you know, George is a bit more like William. Um, but, yeah, lovely for them. And there's only one child left at home then, isn't there? You know, little Louis. So I think we'll be seeing another one. And just finally, the Queen has had an amusing episode with some American tourists. What happened? I love this story. This cracks me up. So she's up in Balmoral. She's with her Royal Protection Officer. They're out presumably on the outskirts of um, of the estate. So Balmoral is this huge estate and within it, of course, the public can't go within the estate. But on the outskirts of it, she's walking along. She's got a headscarf and tweeds on, which is, you know, her preferred outfit for for Scotland. And um, apparently these American tourists come up to her and say, oh, do you live around here? And she says, oh, actually, yes, I do. And um, 
And they say, well, have you ever met the Queen? And she says, no, but um, but this man here has, pointing to her royal protection officer. And, um, and they sort of look at him and then wander off. And, and that's that. They don't spot the fact that it's the Queen. I just love that story. I think it's just <laughs> so funny because the Queen, is she's got a cracking sense of humour, that lady. I mean, in the midst of all this with, you know, one son embroiled in these, you know, the huge issues around Jeffrey Epstein and, um, you know, all the issues about Jeffrey planes and who's flying who and then Thomas Markle, you know, having a crack on to her great grandchild, you know, the, his lack of access and all this, she still finds it within herself to have a good old laugh and a bit of a um, joke. Well, you know, for her own sake. I mean, what else is she supposed to say? She can't really say, well, actually, <laughs> although that would be funny too. <laughs> anyway, love that story. And and apparently that story came out because the protection officer mentioned it to the Times in, in London, which I think meant that he would have had her authority to do that. So I think it's, yeah, she's almost better at media management than uh, some of the younger members of the royal family, I think. <laughs> I could take a lesson or two. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ange. Thank you, Smitter. And thanks to everyone for listening. For more on the royals, please go to newidea.com.au and visit our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And don't forget, the new issue of the Royal Monthly is out this week. 